0: And we're back with the Texas oil and gas podcast. We appreciate you tuning in. This is episode 191, 191. I'm your host, Josh Shelton, my friend and co-host, Ryan Ray, Ryan, nine more to go till we hit 200. And, uh, we got some interesting stuff to talk
1: about this week. Nine more to go and only five more reviews till we get to 300. I, I had it pulled up here, Josh, but, uh, let's see here if I can, if I can get it real quick. Uh, Apologies. So we're at two hundred ninety-four. I'm sorry, six poor views, two hundred ninety-four. So we got one from um uh some something Machinzi. Ma, I don't know. I'm sorry. It says the ticket for oil and gas, five star. I love the show. Lots of interesting angles. My boyfriend and I call it the ticket sports radio of oil and gas. Fresh young perspectives in an old man business. I'm glad to acknowledge someone acknowledges our our youthfulness on this show. We are um, bastions, young of, bucks. We're yeah, young bucks, we're young bucks. We're young bucks. We're young bucks. Unless we need to be old and respectable. In that case, we'll be respectable. However however you want us to play it. So let's... um, Josh, that's the good news. So thank you for the five-star review. Six more to get 300. Our four-year anniversary is coming up here in March. Texas Independence Day, basically, I think, is what it is. Um, So go ahead and let's get over 300. Now, that's the good news. But we have bad news. And so let me see here. We are live on my Twitter at Ryan Ray Sr. So let's see here if I can pull this up. Um... Yeah, here we go. Okay. So this is um, Biden's, uh, this is from the Daily Caller. Biden admin's national climate advisor, Gina McCarthy, says climate change is the most significant health, uh, public health challenge over time. Now, for those listening, they won't be able to see this. She is at the White House wearing a mask. Okay. She's wearing a mask while she's giving the speech, saying that climate change is the biggest threat ever. But it gets better than that and more scary than that. Let's let's roll that tape here.
2: It creates both a White House.
0: I'm not hearing it, Ryan.
2: This is to create an office of okay. climate change and health equity. Because after all, climate sorry, change sorry, is right. the most significant. And it creates creates both a White all right, so So uh,
1: let me start. Start to about that.
2: It creates both a White House interagency task force to address environmental justice as well as an advisory council. It directs the Department of Health and Human Services to create an office of climate change and health equity, because after all, climate change is the most significant uh, public health challenge of our time. And it tasks the Department of Justice with establishing an office of climate justice, because we know the communities who are being hurt, and we know we have to start enforcing the standards today and ensuring that they are part of the solution and the places that we can invest
1: okay so let's stop right there yeah did you hear
0: what i heard office of climate justice
1: inside, inside the doj which is you know like the the big boys it's not like you know local county sheriff here this is this is the real deal holyfield so when you hear that josh what do you think department of justice or office of climate justice inside the doj like what are your I mean,
0: thoughts I mean, so, so the first thoughts I, I have is like, uh, I get a picture of like MI6, like group of, uh, people <laughs> converging on taking people out. Um, no, I'm kidding. So I, I just see it as uh, the police state being, um, having extending their powers into this climate sphere and it is not good news. I mean, we would pa- fall under the purview of that, uh, as a podcast. Um, oil and gas companies, I mean, it's, I don't know. I don't know to the extent of what they're going to be pushing this, but I know that it's not good.
1: It's not good, and it's probably, it's uh, someone said, my God, climate change, uh, more important than COVID challenge. Yes, literally, she has a mask on saying that climate change is the worst. And to be fair, the Biden administration isn't the first one to say this. The World Health Organization came out last summer, started talking about the same thing. Um, the, the, The concern I have here is, that and we're talking about some big companies here in a second, that this really pushes us towards the big company agenda. This is this, you know, exits the small guy, because if you start saying that the climate justice and all this stuff is, you know, going to be, um, I don't know, prosecuted or fined or, or monitored. Well, you know, you're going to have to have a staff of people just sits around and figures out when you're in violation, when you're not. And I don't want to go too far down the bunny hole, but Josh, I'm not an expert here. So I need your help. Um, if you want to drill a well, you, you got to get a permit. It sounds like mm. build a port. You got to get a permit. If you want to build a facility, you got to get a permit. If you want to drive your truck on the road, you got to get an inspection sticker and permits and all this stuff. Uh, pretty much. If you want to do anything, you got to get some kind of government approval, right? Yep. So I'm proposing What's today? Today is February. Oh, my, my daughter's birthday, Doug. It's LK's birthday. Happy birthday. Okay. I'm proposing that February 1st, 2021, we re- recognize that the government, is responsible for all this climate inequity and that therefore they should lock themselves up put themselves in prison and we will elect a new government that will not be so irresponsible because you know who built all these roads josh who built all these roads i didn't build the roads did you build the roads i didn't build the roads the government built the roads and then who allows vehicles on the roads do you allow people on the roads I don't allow the government allows people to the roads. Who but I mean you start going through who allows all this stuff? It's the government. And one thing that we know about the Biden administration is he's been in government for 47 years. So I think I agree with them. Climate justice, inequity. I'm tired of it. So the Biden administration, we're just gonna go ahead and put all of them in jail um for climate inequity or whatever we're calling this now. And we're just gonna just go to put a new new government now. This is since they're gonna come after me and this is satirical comedy. Don't go doing anything. I'm joking, people. Joking. Joking. It's a joke. You, you used to make those jokes, but now you can't make those jokes anymore. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, it, we get in big trouble. Yeah. this is, That's satire. A little bit of satire there. Uh, just pointing out the irony of the of the whole situation.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm being dead serious. If you want to build an airport, who approves that? I mean, go through all this stuff. The government has allowed all of this stuff to be built, all this stuff to be um, – uh, brought online and it regulates it all and then they get mad and now they're now the Biden administration 47 years has Senate and uh, vice president now president um, now they're saying well we we've not you know the business has done a bad job well if you say business has done a bad job that's a fine discussion to have except for the fact that you guys allowed this to happen so you that's uh, I thought that was ironic so yeah sure. I, but, but one thing I mean, I'm curious is Will a show like ours get in trouble for promoting some kind of climate inequity or, you know, right? You no, know?
0: yeah. I mean, we're directing international affairs here. We're liable to get in big trouble. I mean, we're promoting oil and fossil fuels. Yeah, I mean, we're we're hurting the CO2 emissions.
1: <laughs> well, we're doing this via a uh, uh, streamyard right now, and so um, you know we are keeping our emissions low. We're not flying around like John Kerry or Joe Biden on private jets. So, not today.
0: One of the one of the things interesting to me, Ryan, so we, we brought up this uh, last week. I don't know if we talked about it online or not. Yeah, we did. Uh, so Elon Musk is now drilling for oil, or not oil, but natural gas. Um, and it makes me wonder what some of the angles uh, for some of these guys are going to be. Um, so I don't know if anybody follows like stock news. Uh, GameStop was obviously pretty hot last couple of weeks. Um, Nancy Pelosi on January the 24th, and I haven't verified this, so... Uh, I'm going to have to fact check it. But on the January the 24th, uh, it was a report that said that she, she put in 1.25 million into Tesla options. And then on January 25th, uh, Joe Biden announced that all of the federal vehicles were going to be switching to EV, which obviously caused the Tesla stocks to uh, to to rise steeply. Um, I saw a news reporter that said, well, it was her husband that made the one point two five million dollar investment into the Tesla options. So it's irrelevant, her position in politics, which is ridiculous. Um, But again, you see people that are using uh, some of the government's moves to make millions. Um, And that's where where I'm wondering um, some of these climate justice activists. What I'm foreseeing, Ron, is just that you're going to see slightly different owners of the oil and gas sector in the next 10 to 15 years because people are going to be getting uh, they're they cut of the pie by using these regulations. So there's going to be, uh, you know, th- there's going to be a, a third party that comes in that's going to claim some kind of uh, ownership. I think,
1: uh, quite possibly. Um, I believe yeah they they're already drilling right and that what Sergio said last week. I don't know if
0: he said they were already drilling or not. I, th- I think he said they had. um you know, they had their their people. They had hired to drill
1: and all of that. Yeah, I thought they were already drilling. Um, uh, let's see here. Plans to drill, so maybe not. Maybe not. Okay. Um, anyways, yeah, I think it's gonna be interesting to, to look at. You know, and I want to say this on Elon Musk. I, I I think we gotta be careful here. You know, you know, he is kind of aligning himself with the little guy for now, but his company is fundamentally based upon government support and government backing. So i would be very very careful um putting my eggs in the basket well, the government
0: just did all that with tesla so obviously
1: he's relying on that backing uh making all the government vehicles ev um that's what i'm saying so like but like with the GameStop stuff you know he was kind of one of the people supporting that and behind it and stick it to the man and all this stuff it's it's kind of weird because again he's got all his he's got all these ties the government and, and and stuff and so he he wants to stick it to him, and he he does. He's stuck into the SEC before, and he's kind of called them out. But I would just be a little bit cautious that if you know, if uh, about about lining with him. So, anyways,
0: yeah. Well, it's going to be interesting to see for sure. Um, you know, people like him are getting into the oil and gas space, and I think um, you're going to see you're going to see more. Uh, I think more movement. As you know, if you have to pay for what what are they called? Uh, Carbon
1: um, Uh, carbon credits.
0: Carbon credits. You got to pay for carbon credits. Essentially, those people, whoever is in charge of getting carbon credits, they're taking some of the profit from the oil and gas.
1: Well, but that's that's how he makes a lot of. That's how, if I understand his business correctly, that's how a lot of his comes from his carbon credits. And so,
0: right. So now he's already become an oil and gas owner, if you will, by doing that. So and the more the government will help this group of people profit from getting carbon credits, the more ownership they're taking of the oil and gas industry. And, and I don't know if you use exactly those terms, but you see what I'm saying.
1: Um, yeah, it, it benefits them more than it would you know, your average producer who's not really tied up with the carbon credit. thing.
0: Yeah, mean, you're going to see more of that with this climate justice stuff. I think you're going to see um, more redistribution like that
1: it's hard. It's just one final thing it's hard to know you know you don't want to be a fear monger like oh my gosh they're gonna you know tear down the world but on the flip side it's you know when you hear that you, what are you supposed to think an office of climate justice and i, I got a piece on the war room kind of right about this but just the final thing i'll put out here josh is just so we're all on the same page climate justice means environmental local environmental impact right so hmm. if you said if, if you said um hey you know the, you know, you're, you're impacting the climate. Okay. So you, that, that's talking about the temperatures, you know, warming or cooling, or you're causing more rain or less rain or more snow or, you know, some kind of climate change. Um, what they're going to actually do, and I'll, I'm fine to be on the record in this, is they're going to say this facility polluted this nearby area. And therefore we want to find these people, prosecute them or whatever it is, which uh, that is some level climate change, but it's not the type of climate change that we talk about when we talk about climate change, right? So we talk about climate change, we're talking about the, the sea levels rising and famine and all this stuff. That, that's not. So this kind of watch over the next couple of years, if this gets rolled out is it's going to be climate justice, but it's really going to be local environmental impact. Because if you did climate justice, you'd have to say, well, how much of the pollution from China is impacting our climate? Well, they're not going to answer that question because they can't answer the question A and B the, if they did, they did not go out to folks in China. So it's gonna be very much a localized environmental um uh, crackdown, not a climate as if global climate
0: change. So just mm. so a shout out to Anas for for pointing out some of the, the cross borders. So he had a he had an hilarious tweet that he put out over the weekend where somebody said um they made a point that if they moved to all electric vehicles that it would reduce um, their emissions by I think twenty percent. And he put out that it would reduce the global emissions by 2%. And the guy got real upset with him and told him he was wrong in line. And so he pulled up a stat that said that this country um, made up, I think, um, a certain percentage of the global output, which was like um, 2% or something like that. So all that this whole country, I think Europe did, it was minimal. It was nil the effect it would have on the global um, global impact of CO two emissions, and uh, that's what a lot of people fail to see is, is that um, what we're doing over here with um, you know, EV and all of that is it's not the, the overall impact. You know, as far as the global uh, perspective comes, it's not that great.
1: Well, yeah, and then just you know, Biden saying that he's got to transition all of the federal um, cars to EV. Uh, okay, we gotta build a bunch of charging stations, you gotta put more support in the grid. Like it's not as simple as just, and I know he said he's gonna build charging stations, but it's not as simple as just saying, hey, more EVs, less problems. So if you put more cars on the road, gas burning cars, use burning cars on the road today, you would cause you know traffic problems or and I say more cars, like there's literally more people here, not not, you know. So there's you import a million people and you spread them out in Dallas Fort Worth. The traffic's gonna get worse, right? The gas station lines get a little bit longer. Well, if you put an if you swap into a million gas burners and you put a million EVs in Dallas Fort Worth, you're gonna have different problems. Yeah. Where, where are those people gonna charge at? There's not enough charging spots for them. And so, um, if they can charge at their house, they're gonna charge at the apartment complex. A lot of people in apartments in DFW, um, you know, if they're out and about. So and then that's different strains of the grid at different times of day. So you, you have all these things that it's this not as simple as saying, hey, we're gonna put these on. And so um, you got to build stuff. When you build stuff, I'm like, oh, no, this is Josh, you, 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 you pollute. It's really terrible. You no. you know, building stuff causes pollution. So uh, it's something to watch for there. But hey, I, 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 yeah, so we've been talking about the past few weeks about, let's uh, say a couple of weeks since the election, about uh, Exxon, you know, giving more money to, or almost, well, I can't remember is it more money. They give a lot of money um, to the Biden administration. Mm-hmm. So now, climate justice. I mean, kind of, kind of works out, right? Works out well for them.
0: Yeah, yeah. The climate justice uh, probably will be a little lenient on all Exxon.
1: Well, I mean, but that's the thing. So you, so we got the news that the climate that uh, Exxon and Chevron are talking about merging, and it's like, okay, well, let me step back. They talked about a merger last year. Allegedly, the talks are off now, which probably means the talks are really. <laughs> They're probably testing it with their stocks to, to see how the stocks would respond, uh, to see what the the feedback they'd get is. Um but like this kind of news plays into the super major type playbook. You know, you have climate justice and you come in and you clean it up and you 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 work it works out well for those guys. And so I mean they gave a tickled pink today.
0: Yeah, I mean, I mean, what do you think about that, Ryan? I mean, Exxon and Chevron talking about merging—that uh, would be a massive merger. Uh, I don't think the stocks would would think to take too kindly on it, based, based on what I've seen with these mergers. I don't think—I think that would be a terrible move myself. But
1: I guess it depends on who's going to be in control. I mean, you would you would assume that if they were to merge. Um, it says So it says Exxon has a market value of $190, 190 billion and Chevron's is 164 You would assume that Exxon would be in control if they were to merge. You know, they're, they're, they would be the top, um, you know. Yeah. I guess it depends on if you're, if you're, so if you're Chevron's leadership or if you're anyone's leadership right now, it kind of depends on what you think is going to happen with the environmental stuff. So, if you're, and we, I know we got a, in the roundup, I think it's about surge, but if you got, if you're a, you know, an EP out there and you're thinking, okay, listen, I've got to do something. Um, what am I going to do to make it through these next five, 10 years? You got low prices potentially, but then you have all these regulations. If you think you can make it through the regulatory burden um, in the low price environment, then, you know, all of a sudden, you you come out to the other side as a true oil and gas company, and you're kind of one of the few because a lot of folks are going to transition and try to get in the EV game, renewable game, whatever. Nothing wrong with that. This is what they're going to do. So, if you think you can kind of make it, um, then then maybe you sit, you hold out. Um, of course, this isn't Chevron's play per se, but I'm not for small companies. But if you're if you're sitting there going, I don't know if we can handle the regulatory burden. I don't know if we can you know sustain the low prices. We need to diversify. I think these mergers, especially the mergers that include um, the bigger companies who have a more diverse pro- portfolio, is you know, probably going to make sense for some of these companies.
0: Mm. Well, I mean, Chevron looked like they were doing pretty well for most of the year, but their fourth quarter, they ended up taking uh, what they said it was a surprising loss. So um, I, nobody was anticipating them to have such a big loss. But they had an article, or MRT had an article where Chevron is quoted as saying that the Permian growth is going to really depend on the pandemic and OPEC plus. So obviously the pandemic and these economies opening back up is the primary uh, factor. But once that happens, uh, the, next, the next domino that needs to, to come down for the Permian to get back, to, I guess, to full stride is for OPEC plus to continue. Uh, at a modified drilling at a modified rate. And I'm just wondering how long are they going to be committed to doing that?
1: Let's see here. we got a quote in from Brian the old himself. Merger of super majors would require lots of divest- divestitures, which might provide good opportunities for independents to pick up some good acreage. That is true as well. You would see that. Um, interesting perspective. I think, you know, the question Brian, that i'm trying to think through is is you know when you hear the climate justice coming the office of climate justice at the doj you know what is your liability going to be and do you want even if there is a good acreage and could you find yourself on the wrong end of, uh, of a department of justice inquiry because you are out there just just working so um yeah, but yo, know, you're right. There could you could you could see that, and also with Exxon and Chevron, if they're going to merge, you're going to have a lot of international stuff that's going to come on play as well. So um, I, I don't, I don't know. Do you think they're going to merge, Josh? Do you think that would happen? I don't know. No, I don't think they will. I mean,
0: these climate justice get get to pushing too hard. It may push a merger. Uh, <laughs> some of these companies may all have to huddle up. You know. Uh, and it would also help them on the international stage having a having a company that big if Exxon and Chevron were to merge. I mean, they would be able to compete with OPEC at that point, basically, with their ability to um, stop and go and, and wait. And uh, they've been able to do that to an extent, but it would, I think it would increase their influence on the market.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, the other thing to consider is, though, if you Chevron and Exxon, instead of merging with each other, you could pick up a lot of these smaller companies as they go through struggles. Right.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so, you know, you have the, you have the ability to sit there and, um, and say, okay, well, listen, we have our, you know, in compliance department, legal department, whatever you call it. And um, you know, they can go through this stuff. And so mid, mid to small producers, as they're um, you know looking to, to get out, you can pick them up. So I don't know, so a merger, I can see a merger making sense from some perspective. And another perspective, I could see, you know, these two saying, well, listen, we can scoop up a lot of these companies as regulatory burdens get higher. And so uh, Brian says, yes, the li- liability, I li- 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 can't speak, that li- 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 read it, Josh, I cannot read all of a sudden, sorry.
0: Yes, that liability carries like the cases in Central America, Ecuador.
2: The is they're not gonna
1: merge that's what you're saying I don't think they're gonna merge yeah
0: I don't think they're gonna merge i I would I think that uh, based on all the mergers that we've seen over the last two years the stocks have pounded them even if there were some uh some synergies uh they're just not gonna let it they're not going to let it go through and and profit I mean every time I've seen it even with ones that made sense there would be mergers that actually Uh, The synergies which should have helped them increase in value and the stocks is pounding them Uh, I just I I don't see that happening at least not right now Uh, so we also have uh, a couple of articles here, ron. So one of them is Diamondback ceo. This is an oversupplied world is uh, it was one of his quotes and um, So he, he talks about oil prices moving a bit And um, and he says here, we're still eight million barrels of oil oversupplied. Um, So he's looking at the oversupply and thinks that this is going to this is going to take some time for it to rebalance.
1: Yeah. One final comment here from Brian, he says, if they merge, there will be divestitures and probably spinoffs. Uh, certain areas into new companies i agree mr Con. i agree if they do merge i'm curious Brian do you think they'll, mon- the, on, they'll merge i don't i'm like josh i don't think they will right now now if we see another reduced uh price environment uh, yeah, you know, sub40 then obviously I think anything's on the table but anyways um as far as being oversupplied josh you know so i've been looking at let me see here if they've got the lunar new year numbers in china. So um, the last time I looked at it the travel data was pretty weak and so they were like given they were, they were given um, yeah it looks like they're still saying that the, 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 the lunar new year travel is um, is still pretty pretty abysmal and so if that's if that's true then you know you look at, demand and you had to wonder two things one how obviously the chinese numbers from last year are off on some level but you know if they're not if they're not that you know lunar new year is the biggest travel event in the world i think nearly basis um and so if that kind of demand is down then you know where are we really at and so um is we have to you know that's one thing we talked about for a while now is you kind of have to get back to the sense of normalcy to understand you know where is the um where is the demand at you know, people have moved. Did you see the article from U-Haul about people moving? To, you know, from like Texas and Florida and all that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Okay. Well, once they get here, then you know, are they driving longer, shorter? You know, stuff like that. So all that kind of demand stuff has to be reshaped. But this is kind of one of those big events that you can say, okay, historically it's done this kind of, this is the kind of demand we've seen from it. Uh, if that comes back and it's pretty disappointing, which it looks like it will be, um, you know, what does that mean for the market? You know, so for saying that we are oversupplied, a and b that these big travel events are not going to take. Um, demand uh, supply of the market. Then, um, I think we're in an interesting spot, and you know that the early indications are that we're definitely uh, that, that the demand is not there for for a lot of reasons.
0: So, uh, there's been some talk about uh, about you know pipelines. So, when uh, one of the first things that Biden did was he uh, killed the the Keystone pipeline. Um, so there are other pipelines that some of Biden's associates are wanting him to go out and actually kill as well. Uh, So the pipeline opponents want Biden to act uh, and they feel uh, emboldened by him killing the Keystone deal. And so they're trying to get him to go after some other pipelines. Uh, So they've been fighting, trying to get Biden to move forward. And this would be, this is terrible news if, if Biden takes this to heart. I mean, you got the Dakota access line, um uh there's energy transfer is is working on a couple of lines that that they're trying to that they've been targeting. Man, um Enbridge, uh there's I mean, golly, if, if they end up doing this, and I don't the thing is, Ryan, is it doesn't even make sense. Um, how do they how are they wanting this oil to get moved if it's not by pipeline? I mean, obviously they're not wanting
1: to get it moved at all. Um i train the most safe and efficient and environmentally method ever. Train. Yes, train that Warren Buffett owns. I think, just for
0: perspective, is that what they <laughs> said? They wanted to go by train.
1: I mean, if you don't, you know, so if you don't do pipeline, you got truck it or train it. That's your options. So you know, and so obviously we know that trucks and trains are not nearly as efficient as pipelines, as far as safety goes or anything. And so, you know that's the thing. If you don't, you know, if you say you don't want a pipeline. Now, there's a lot of reasons you could get to not want a pipeline, but let's just presume that it's not a landowner dispute or anything like that. It's just you don't want a pipeline. OK, uh, well, if you don't want a pipeline because you don't want a pipeline, that's fine. But if it's for environmental reasons, then you you have to realize that saying I don't want a pipeline. Again, there's no kind of um, grave site or something crazy. It's just open pasture and you say, listen, I'm concerned the pipeline might leak. OK, sure. That's fair. But when you put it on a train or a truck, you're obviously increasing the chance that the spill is going to happen. And so. It is the least, it is those are the least safest options that you have. And so, um, to your point, though, I, you know, I'm kind of torn on this issue because I, I really didn't think Biden was going to come out swinging as hard as he has. And so, uh, part of me thinks that he's swinging so hard because he wants to kind of tamper down to the pressure from the more progressive side of the party. And so, you see that at the Office of Climate Justice, and, and it turns out that nothing really happens. They have it there. If they want to use it, they can. But it's just—it's just a bunch of smoke and mirrors. But he's doing so much. You have to take this threat seriously. And so, if you're looking to build a long, uh, a, a you know, a big pipeline project, you know, multi-state pipeline project, and you got to do all these permits and stuff. You have to be concerned, at least for now, um, that, that that he will cancel them or, or you know, use his powers to to block them. And so, um, I, I don't know. I think the real test is going to be after the 60 days is up, what does he do with the drilling on federal lands? I think that's the next test. If it goes back and he, he lets you do, you know, new, new, you know, he he kind of goes back to the way it was under Trump. I think we can all take a deep sigh of relief, but if we, if he puts the, the kibosh on the federal permits moving forward, um, well, you're going to see folks uh, and he you know, and that's going to assume that he won't let you renew them. So you're going to see folks who have to drill to get them, to get it on market. Right. So, um, I know we're a long ways for that 60 days to be now, probably about you know, 50 days. So I think that's kind of the next thing.
0: Well, just think about this. So, uh, so Cowan, um, uh, referencing Mountain Valley, he said that uh, in general, legal and regulatory challenges have made companies think twice about investing in new pipelines. And he references the 600-mile Atlantic Coast pipeline that was canceled last year uh, it was going to bring in, it was going to be an $8 billion project. And now he's saying he thinks a lot of people are questioning whether it's worth investing in pipelines anymore because the regulatory challenges and the government's response to it um, is definitely discouraging any moves in that direction. So if you're an investor and you're thinking about investing in a pipeline, which has historically been a great investment, it's expensive. Um, it may not be worth it uh, at this point. and that that could be a killer.
1: Yeah, well, and just to be clear, we're not talking about you know a little gathering line here or there, talking about these big long projects, yeah. Keystone, something like that. So that 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 multiple permits from multiple multiple agencies, and it's not just the executive branch that was a problem with Keystone. You also had the uh judicial branch, which was giving it its own problems, and so it's one of those things that's kind of a, a complex issue, but it seems like Biden, you know, put the put the kibosh on it, at least for now and uh, maybe maybe forever. I don't know. Um uh, yeah, I you know, so this is, you kind of go back to where we started the show, which is you have kind of this climate justice potential, whatever that means. And then you're here with the permit. Uh, the climate justice is kind of scary because it's, it's kind of a, uh, this nebulous concept that can kind of, kind of move and, and sway. And as I said, it's going to be more, it has to be more envi- local environmental impact than true climate impact. Um, and so you're going to see that kind of, that kind of happen in, until they define it or they start putting cases out. You know what it means. You're really kind of, concern what might happen well the pipeline stuff is different because you kind of felt like you could you you could work through this and these are pretty safe ways yes we have pipelines that, that have blown up or that have leaked or stuff like that but you kind of felt like you know hey if you're going to do this project you have a pretty good path to get it done um and so you start coupling couple of those two things together that's a dangerous sign for um you know producers or, or midstream companies in this case but the other thing josh is that here's the, the weird part is it could drive up oil prices but not help out all workers. Yeah. Right.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I mean, you know, so we're sitting here at what, uh 5270. And so the price, you know, if this keeps happening, the price will, you know, it, right. But then how many jobs are going to be reclaimed because it's, it, you know, so those are the questions that we have to see and, um, and, and determine how those things will shake out, shape out during the Biden administration.
0: Yeah, that's going to be a thing to watch. And I've, I've thought about the same thing. I mean, if uh, oil price keeps going up, I mean, uh, there's going to be companies that are incentivized to drill, but um, there's also going to be some hesitation. You know, there might be uh, safer investments. If, you know, you have money, you're trying to get a good return on that investment, there may be some safer investments that are out there.
1: Uh, I, think, yeah. I think, you know, right now, you know, the next point, and you're definitely going in, uh, to be inclined to drill and to, to do stuff. But as this climate justice office is rolled out, you start seeing how they're handling stuff, you might change your perspective on that moving forward. So,
0: Well, we have a couple of articles for the Texas Roundup. Uh, one in particular is, uh, is interesting. So uh, Exxon has an SEC probe, highlights concerns over inflated shell reserves. So uh, it's never good to get the SEC involved in anything to do with your life, business, or Um, anything.
1: Straight communist.
0: Yeah. So being as they're looking at them, I think when when this report came out, Exxon's stock fell as much as 6%. Um, And so the SEC is cracking down on overvaluation of uh, of these types of, of assets. And so these companies have to be really careful about how they're reporting their numbers. And uh yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't want to be anywhere involved in this if I was Exxon. Because they're coming. <laughs> they coming, and they are gonna have some sort of some sort of tax for you, uh somewhere in there.
1: Interesting because you know, okay, so let me ask you this. If I said hey, this is you know, simplifying this a lot more than it has to be, obviously, or than it is. But if I said there's some oil under my, you know, my house right now, and I thought I could drill a well for, you know, a million bucks, is to say, and I look at it I think, okay, you know, reasonably I could get out $5 million at today's prices, $5 million worth of oil. But, you know, I might could get out $7 million if the rails really effective, and, you know, we're, you know, we're really good at drilling uh, wells, and, you know, and so, so you know, again, this is a very, very simplified explanation of what's going on, but a lot of this is kind of subjective. I mean, so there is fraud that could happen, which is there's no oil on my property. And I say, we're going to get back $5 million. Right. So that's, that's one spectrum. That's one side of the spectrum, which is there's no chance. And then the other chances. Well, okay, well, you know, based upon how we've improved our oil efficiency or do, done this, that, or the other, it's quite possible that we could do better. And so, um, you know, where this will land will be interesting to see because, um, you know, it's, like anyone else, you know, if, if, you're, if you're judging your talent and your, your capacity, then that's more subjective than, than um, a definite thing. So we'll see.
0: Yeah, well, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. So um, you know, we mentioned Biden and the ban on federal leases. It's going to be interesting to see how does this play out. Uh, because let's just say that he extends it in 60 days and that lease continues on for, say, the rest of 2021. Say he does that. I'm not saying he will. Let's just say he does that. At that point, uh, you're, you're going to start seeing a transition from relying on U.S.-based oil, which I'm not saying we're 100% or anything like that. We, we still import a lot, but we're going to be importing more than than we were, say, in 2019. Uh, which is not going to really change the amount of oil being drilled or oil being used, only the ability for the American companies to profit from the oil being used, if that makes sense. And we're going see to that, see that happen. Uh, and at some point, it should lead to energy being more expensive, right? I mean, you, would, you should see if he continues to ban, they continue making these moves, uh, energy is going to become more expensive. Your utility bills are going to go up. Gas pumps are going to go up. All these costs are going to start going up. Will these people at least have the um, the self-awareness to know that these actions are causing these price increases or are they so far removed that they don't really care? So that's going to be the questions that we
1: have going forward. Well, and the other thing real quick is to add is, you know, you know you're know, you talking about let's just say you're paying 5 hours a gallon for gasoline. Uh, well, it's not necessarily that oil and gas companies hate that. They don't necessarily hate that because, you know, prices are up good for them. They'd, they'd really be paying. It's, assuming it's not 100% taxes causing that. But, um, you know, higher prices for oil and gas companies are generally a good thing. just like everyone else. And so you kind of have this this system in place where um, the consumer is paying more and they're paying more because of um, these other things, which may decrease our ability to, to drill as prolifically as we could. Or, you know, we're increasing imports. So, yes, I agree. There's a lot of stuff. I don't know, to your point, though, will someone in the middle of Kansas realize that we're paying $5 a gallon potentially because we can't drill as much, you know, or we're having, you know, we're, we're being forced to import more or, or whatever. So, um, we can't refine it here for whatever reason. You know, some kind of, re- I don't know if they'll, I don't know if they'll, they'll figure that out. And I don't have much faith in the media.
0: Uh, yeah, hold them accountable. Yeah, but it just seems that the cost of energy just, Rising in general across the board uh, will affect, especially those middle-class families that are you
1: know. Oh, it's it's a terrible for economic rebound to have a, a high energy prices. Yeah, I mean,
0: you're, yeah, I mean, energy's not cheap. Uh, you know, I say it's not cheap. Um, you don't want it to be more expensive. You don't. You don't want your you know your utility bills
1: to go up for sure. Think about this from a diesel standpoint. So, if you have fine or diesel, okay. Well, if you're getting you know, uh, the nails delivered, the lumber delivered, the steel beams delivered, everything along that, that supply chain, whatever you're using, using probably has, goes on a diesel truck, right? Mm-hmm. And so that all those costs are, you know, what's diesel right now? 220, something like that. So you talking about double the price. So you double the price for diesel, which means that you're going to have to pass that cost on more than likely to someone. So you say, well. Let's double the price to move this. Double the price to move that. Double the price. Not, not, It's the price to move on the on the fuel charges at least. Um, so that that creeps into there. Um, and so then you say, well, the average worker is making five. You know, is making whatever they're making, and now their diesel cost is twice. So they need to be paid more because their bucks not going. So you can just see how it kind of could potentially um get into a worse spot. So yeah, I agree. So
0: all right, we got two. Two other articles. One is Chevron post surprising loss. This is what I mentioned. Um, noble deal charges. So again, this is where uh, you had a, a merger and then you have, um, you know, that there's a, a stock dip, um, a, a, a dip in stock prices. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, the, the loss obviously uh, on refining was something that was, you know, surprising. And then the last article, Ron, you mentioned this at the beginning of the show, Surge. Surge, uh, they announced a significant Midland basin acquisition. Uh so for a 420 million, they acquired I think it's grenadier.
1: <laughs> I mean, whole show.
0: <laughs> Man. Grenadier's gotta be what it is. It ain't Gren- grenadier, it's grenadier. Yeah, energy partners in Did Howard County. Yes. I got it right the first time, so uh
1: maybe. Yeah.
0: maybe. yeah, maybe. I'm not sure. I'm not I'm not certain at all.
1: Uh, I've been waiting for that one. I slid that one in there. Uh well for a couple reasons, but mainly just so you get to say it. You're in a deer.
0: <laughs>
1: mm. All right. Well that is it, I guess, for today's episode. We got episode but we're at 191, right? So 191,
0: nine more to 200, six more, more reviews to 200. Uh, th- 300, 300, five star
1: reviews. I had, I had eight fingers there. That's not really. That's I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, three. Uh, six more reviews to We Are Sparta. That will be our We Are Sparta episode. I don't know what we will talk about. Um, anyways,
2: all right, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in. And until next time, keep climbing.